He not only considered the possibility of doing the things the tempter encouraged him to do. No, Jesus was tempted to actually do them. Otherwise, it wasn't really a temptation. But as the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, uh, verse 15, Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. What would have happened if Jesus had given in to those temptations? For example, what would have happened if Jesus had given in to the temptation to turn stones into bread? Jesus was hungry. He had not eaten in 40 days. Soon he would need food just to survive. And being in the desert, there was no source of food nearby. What if Jesus didn't have the strength to make it back to town to find bread? He might die there in the desert. But then the thought occurred to him, suggested by the tempter, Jesus was the son of God. He could just turn stones into bread to satisfy his appetite and to save his life. What if Jesus had done it? What if instead of trusting God, his father, to take care of him, Jesus had chosen to take care of himself? How would the gospel stories have read differently? Well, here's the thing about appetites. They always come back. Give in to them one time and it's harder not to give in to them the next time. Did I say that right? It's harder to not give in to them the next time. You know what I mean. And so if Jesus had given in to the temptation once to turn stones into bread, you could imagine more stories after that about Jesus getting hungry and miraculously making bread. But why stop at bread? What if he was in the mood for wine as well? And then you could imagine him making wine, fine wine, no doubt, and fruit and dates and meat, good meat, only the choicest cuts. And as Jesus gathered disciples around him, he would need to provide for them too. And word would get out about the free food, about the feasts. And pretty soon, Jesus would have lots of disciples who were following him mainly because of the good things he could provide. Is that why you follow Jesus? And what about Jesus' other appetites for a soft bed to sleep in and a comfortable roof over his head and perhaps a wife to hold and to love? I'm sure Jesus could have had his pick of the young ladies. If Jesus had gone this route, had, gone in, uh, had given in to temptation to satisfy his own appetites instead of trusting God his Father to give him what was good, you could imagine Jesus' life turning out quite differently and being much more comfortable and likely having far less impact. In fact, after all that comfort, would Jesus have had the moral strength at the end of his life to face the cross? What would have happened? How would the story of Jesus been different if Jesus had given in to the temptation, the temptation to satisfy his appetites instead of living in his identity that he was God's beloved son and that he had a good, good father who he could trust to provide for his needs? Let me ask you another question. What happens when you and I give in to this temptation? To satisfy our appetites instead of trusting in the covenant relationship that we have with God. 
Instead of living out of our identity that we are children of God and that we have a good, good father who we can trust for what we need. What would your life be like or what is it like compared to what it could be like if you trusted in God the way Jesus did? Or what about Jesus' second temptation? The temptation Jesus felt to force God to act. Jesus was in the desert. He was hungry and alone. Where was God? Was was Jesus' life heading in the right direction? Is this what God wanted for him? To remain in obscurity, unknown, unrecognized. There must be another way. After all, Jesus knew the scripture and the tempter brought it to mind. He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus was the son of God. He could go to the temple, throw himself down. God would show up and rescue him. God would have to. And all would see it and be amazed. And in an instant, Jesus would have the affirmation of God and and of a crowd of people. That would really kick off his calling on the right foot. What would have happened if Jesus had given in to this temptation for affirmation? Well, after gaining a following by leaping from the temple and being caught by angels below, you can imagine the cries and the calls to perform another great feat like that one, and another, and another. After all, not everyone would have seen the first one. Attracting more followers would require more impressive spectacles. And also, people forget, memories wear off. And so in the rough and tumble and the ups and downs of life, Jesus' followers would need reassurance. And maybe Jesus would need reassurance that God was still with him. And so the pressure would be there to perform a repeat, to cash in on his status as God's son by coming through with some sort of impressive demonstration that God's divine blessing was with Jesus. Let's see, what else could Jesus call on heaven to do? Well, how about parting rivers or calling down fire from heaven or destroying his enemies, anyone who rose up against him? And each time Jesus did, he would be reminded that God was with him and so would his followers be reminded. And the crowds surrounding him would grow and they would come out to see the show, to be impressed, to be amazed. Everyone loves a winner. But Jesus would have to keep it up, wouldn't he? to keep impressing the people, to to keep pleasing them. And they'd be disappointed. They'd disapproved if he didn't. The pressure would build to keep impressing, to keep seeking affirmation. How else would he and they know that God was still with him? What would have happened? How would the story of Jesus have been different if Jesus had given in to this temptation? The temptation to satisfy his need for affirmation instead of to rest in his identity that he was already loved by his father in heaven and that was enough. Let me ask you another question. What happens when you give in to this temptation? When you and I are driven by the need for affirmation to to impress others or to please them, Instead of resting in our identity that we are God's children and God loves us and that is enough. What do you need people to say about you? 
How do you need them to view you so you feel okay inside? Do you need people to think you're pretty? Or that you're smart, that you know a lot? Do you need people to to know that you're relevant, that you're up on the latest? Or that you're cool, that you have lots of the right kinds of friends? That you're successful? Or that you're funny? Or that you're popular, that you're the life of the party? And who do you need to give us the, to give you this affirmation? Is it everyone? Is it your friends? Is it your parents, your teachers, those at work? I know some men who are still trying to prove to their fathers, often years after their dads have died, that they're good enough, that they're successful. But but here's the thing, we We can't fully obey God. We can't stand strong in our faith when we need affirmation and we need God to cooperate so we get the approval of others. Why could Jesus be so courageous? Because he was secure in who he was and in the love of his Father for him. And Jesus wants to teach you and me how to have that kind of security, that kind of confidence, that kind of peace. As well, just like he had. Or what about Jesus' third temptation? The desire he felt to, to satisfy his ambition, to be someone important. After all, what difference was Jesus making out there in the desert, all alone, irrelevant, having no impact? This is the temptation we all feel, which says, if I were in charge around here, I would do things differently and things would be so much better. But God's spirit had led Jesus to the desert, a place where he had no power, where there was no success and no impact. So the thought crossed Jesus' mind, the tempter put it there, didn't Jesus deserve more than this? If Jesus was God's son, shouldn't he be in charge? Shouldn't people recognize his authority? Shouldn't they honor him? Who better to right the wrongs of the world, to fix the problems, to be looked to for answers than Jesus? But God had him languishing in this desert. Ah, but there were other ways. And the tempter said to Jesus, I'll give you that kind of power, that kind of success. I can show you how to get it. Just follow my lead. Worship me. So what if Jesus had... What would have been the outcome? Well, let's think how things would have played out. One possibility is that the devil would have reneged on the deal. After all, he's not someone who's to be trusted. Reminds me of Darth Vader's words to Lando Calrissian in Star Wars. When Lando protests that Vader went back on the deal they'd made. I'm altering the deal. Pray that I do not alter it further. Right? In that case, Jesus has worshipped the devil, forfeiting his relationship with God and gaining nothing in the process. But even if the devil did make good on his offer, how would the devil have given Jesus all the kingdoms of the world? After all, other humans were currently in charge of them. Pilate in Jerusalem, Caesar in Rome, countless other kings and rulers. Surely they didn't know that the devil held ultimate claim to the kingdoms they ruled. And surely they wouldn't have been easily persuaded to step aside and hand over power. 
So how would the tempter transfer their power to Jesus? Well, presumably, the, the devil would have pulled whatever spiritual things, or strings, sorry, what spiritual strings he had the power to pull in order to affect the course of human events on an earthly level to raise up Jesus. Perhaps the devil would have withdrawn spiritual support, however he would do that, changed public opinion, changed the outcomes of battles. I I'm realize I'm... I'm uh, speculating here, but it seems to me Jesus wouldn't just be able to waltz in and sit on anyone's throne, but rather that he'd have to fight them for it. It's just that with the devil now helping him and turning against them, Jesus would be assured victory. At least that's what the devil was claiming. So to seize power, to gain control, Jesus would have to follow the devil's way, the way of seizing power through violence. Jesus would have to become the next great world emperor, a man of war, a man of violence, Jesus the Great. If the devil was telling Jesus the truth, Jesus could have ruled the world. But what kind of ruler would he have been? Having chosen power, having chosen his own success over the way of God, which was for him to lay down his life in love for others. Perhaps Jesus would have rationalized it. Well, it's for everyone's good in the long run. We, uh, or who knows better than me what's best for the world? After all, I'm the son of God. I know the truth. I know what's right. I'll make people do what's right, finally. Can you imagine a 30-year-old ruling the world? A 30-year-old who thinks he's the son of God, but who has actually bowed down to the devil, ruling the world. If he's already made this compromise to seize power, what other compromises would follow? For starters, once you grasp power the conventional way, you have to hold on to it. You have to put down those who would question your authority or try to take it up from you. If Jesus had given in to this temptation, we can only imagine the horror that would have ensued. But what about us? What compromises do we make? to satisfy our ambition, to achieve our own success? Are we content when God leads us into wilderness seasons of obscurity and powerlessness, of no impact and no importance? Is the fact that our identity is, is in the Father, that, that God loves us and, and that we're his children, is that enough for us? Do we trust in God's power and God's ability to fight our battles? Do we remember the verse in James, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up? Or do we get itchy to to prove ourselves, to pursue success and to achieve? Or to use our power to fight God's battles for him? Imagine if evangelicals focused as much on laying down our lives for those who oppose us as we do on grasping for political influence to make our opponents do what we think is right. So three temptations. Appetite, affirmation, ambition. Jesus faced them. He struggled with them. And we're all too familiar with them too. Jesus felt each one, he struggled with each one, and he overcame each one in the desert. And as a result, his story turned out the way it did. Jesus lived secure in his father's love, 
secure in his identity as God's child. And so Jesus did nothing for himself or by himself, but he did only what he saw his father doing. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. He trusted his father and he only used his power when he sensed the father leading him to do so. Did God take care of Jesus' physical needs, providing him with literal bread to eat? Sure. On a few occasions, even miraculously so. Jesus turned water into wine. He fed thousands with bread. But Jesus didn't do it to satisfy his own appetites. Rather, he did it to bless others, to point them to God on the occasions that God led him to do so. Other times when people pressured Jesus to make more bread or to heal more people, Jesus flatly refused. He didn't give in to the need for affirmation, the need to please people. In fact, Jesus was content to let people reject him and walk away. Jesus was secure, confident, and free because he'd overcome the need for affirmation from people. And as for ambition, Jesus wasn't a ladder climber. He didn't schmooze with those who could gain him influence or make compromises to get ahead. Jesus was happy to hang around with the poor and with the needy, with the outcasts and the rejects. And ultimately, Jesus was willing to give up on power, to give up on victory, and to spend his life for the sake of others. What security he had in God's care for him. And because of that, God chose to lift Jesus up and to make him Lord of all and to give him the whole kingdom because that was the kind of king God wanted in charge of his world. How about us who claim to follow Jesus? If we're going to be like him, more like Christ, if we're going to be children who resemble our Father in heaven, if we're going to be citizens of the kingdom who follow the king, then we're going to have to learn from Jesus' example to fight and overcome these temptations too. Appetite, ambition, affirmation. It starts with finding our covenant identity, with finding ourselves in the story which began with God's covenant to Abraham and Sarah as we looked at a number of weeks back. That out of all the peoples of the earth, God was inviting a special people to enter into a committed relationship with God, to become family, God's family. To enjoy God's care and protection and love and all of this as a gift, given, not earned. And then in response to that gift, God's children agreed in love to, to obey their heavenly father. To become a holy nation, a, a special people marked by goodness who could bless the world and show all peoples what God is like. And so from that covenant identity comes kingdom purpose. And we saw several weeks ago Joseph, a, a covenant son, fulfilling that kingdom purpose in his own day. We saw that God often takes his people through desert experiences. And so we can be refined and humbled and prepared to exercise God's kingdom power with humility. Joseph, we saw, went through it. Moses went through it. God's people went through it. And in order to identify with us, even Jesus goes through it. We see now in Matthew 4. And now, even though most of us aren't genetic ancestors of God's covenant people through Abraham, 
Jesus has nevertheless invited us in by inviting us to put our faith in him. Because Jesus is God's son and because of his death on the cross, God has authorized Jesus to invite into God's family anyone who will follow Jesus in faith. So we're all invited. And if we'll put our faith in Jesus, then what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. Including and especially the words God spoke at Jesus' baptism. This is my son. This is my daughter. With him, with her, I am well pleased. And then out of that kingdom identity, as sons and daughters of God, we take up our responsibility in God's kingdom. To exercise his authority. To exert his power. Not because we're grasping for power ourselves. But because we've conquered temptation. For the things of this world. For our appetites and our need for affirmation and our ambitions. And so we can be humble servants like Jesus was, trusting and obeying, using God's power as God leads us for the blessing of others. That's covenant and kingdom. Two themes which weave their way all through the biblical story. And so we finish our series on these themes this morning now at this table. This covenant table.